Today we're talking to Mark Laporte, President and CEO of Concord Hospitality. We're going to find out about Mark's humble beginnings and how the hospitality industry pulled him away from pre-med. We're going to find out about Mark's 25 projects he currently has under development, gulp, and about what a real capital call feels like. Thanks for watching. Oh, that is fantastic. That's a good look. <laughs> it's a good looking hotel. It's amazing. Which one is that? It's called The Ben. It's on the intercoastal downtown West Palm, uh, right on the water, complete with an amazing rooftop, which has ballroom, pool, humongous bar that before COVID was really, really busy. <laughs> uh, but it's, it just opened just before COVID, just early this year. So, is it? So it is right. open. Is it open now? Yeah. Can I go? Yeah, it's open. In fact, listen to this, T. Before COVID hit, we had some, it's only 208 keys, but we had some days that we did over a quarter of a million dollars per day. It's, it is. It's amazing. That's the kind of hotel I want to own. Please. And then came COVID, and our humongous volume went for a brief time almost to zero. So. But it's coming back. Crazy world we're living in. Crazy world. Uh, so, Mark, thank you for coming on and doing these uh, Teague Talks with me. They've been a lot of fun. Right, They've been I, life of their own. I'm, I'm excited about doing this. I've watched a few others that you have done. They're, they get more and more interesting as you have done this, so I hope I just don't take it all back to zero. No, no, you're good. No, no, you're great. You're great. It's it's the human side. What I've learned is people care about the people in our industry. So they want to hear, not from me, but from you. What is Mark Laporte doing in this world? And is it the same thing that I'm seeing or is it something different or what's it, what's it look sure. like? So I don't know if misery loves company, but that's, that's yeah, what we're seeing. Really. So there's a lot of that. Yeah. So, so tell me, how was your Labor Day? Tell me you did something fun and exciting. Uh, as we spoke briefly just a while ago, it, this was weather-wise in Raleigh, North Carolina, one of the best weather weekends all year. So I'm a, I'm a big outdoors guy, so I was out all day, two days, do a lot of exercise. I did, I did 20,000 steps yesterday. I'm still feeling it today. Uh, uh, but in general, a great time, good outdoor barbecue stuff, and had a lot of fun. Uh, wish every day were like the last two. Yeah. Yes, we we agree. Some sense of great weather and some sense of normalcy. I think. So how what, how are things in North Carolina? I mean, the weather's great. I love that. But is football starting up this weekend? College football this coming weekend? College, I'm not sure. College football starting. There's a lot of universities that are either virtual or really in class. It's a real mix. And of course, some are coming in, and almost days later, sending kids home. So it's. Uh, it goes with the territory that we've been living through for the last almost seven months, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I think football is going to go on with or without spectators or to a much, much less degree. Uh, all right, so do this, Mark. So the, the natural question is, is, listen, you've been doing this a long time. I think we all like to hear from you and your words of wisdom, part of why I invited you on. And the question is, how does this uh, – recession compared to the last ones. But I think start way before that. Go back and tell me, how did you get started in this business? What have you learned? And give us your journey. 
to the extent that I can. Yes. Uh, I'm, I actually see myself as a, a great example of anybody can do it. Uh, I happen to be a biology student as a college kid. I played college basketball too, uh, but had no idea how it would be in the industry that we're both in. Uh, after I was actually in pre-med after school, uh, both being uh, an athlete as well as someone who liked to have fun. I had decent grades, but not good enough to get into a medical school. Well, wait, what so I decided. What sports did we play? I got to know that. I played basketball. Of course you did. You're a tall guy. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Continue. And always we kept playing until I blew out my knee in my 30s. But uh, so I so I needed to find a different way, and I knew uh, from having a lot of family members that were doctors and dentists. That's probably why I thought pre-med would be cool because I saw that they were working for themselves and they were working and they were able to make decisions daily. Uh, turned out that's really what I wanted to do and I started to do small business things as an entrepreneur. Uh, did a lot of things right out of college from building houses. I had a general insurance agency, which many of these things I'm gonna tell you helped set me up for the industry that I found that I loved because building things is what I still do today. They happen to be hotels, not little homes. Uh, having an insurance background definitely have, helps and has helped me in the risk management side of our business, which is always fundamentally an intriguing, if not daunting, thing to deal with. I started a small manufacturing business when I was 28 with some other college buddies of mine. So learned about process more and more and became more and more disciplined. And by the time I hit my early 30s, they were, um, and I was a, actually I was the president of a small chamber of commerce up in northwestern Pennsylvania. Local guys on that uh, board said, "Hey, uh, we see you're energetic. You're making things happen, small as they were. Uh, why don't you consider joining us in our hotel business?" These gentlemen were amongst the earlier Holiday Inn franchisees, and always willing to find what could be a great new way, I dove in, quickly found that I liked that business, our business, more than the businesses I had become very involved in, sold them with some success, and I was kind of kind of launched. Uh, struggled for sure, because I had no money, my, uh, and all that I did was really grassroots. Um, my company was one of the very first Hampton Inn franchisees. I think we opened the eighth franchise of that brand in State College, Pennsylvania. But it was by cobbling like thinking people together, saying, can you write a check for maybe 20 grand or whatever it was? And we, uh, with struggle, uh, uh, put the equity together and uh, because I thought I could. Now with just a little background on the management side, uh, and we built it and it was very successful. and. So that was the beginning of what became I have now a 36-year career in the hotel business, which has been one, as I like to say, and this is where I would say anybody could do it, it was it, my success um, has been what I call success by incrementality, by doing things one at a time, then another, then another, then another, and always looking back over your shoulder, always uh, making sure that uh, the decisions hopefully were thoughtful and 
uh, clear thinking because I had a lot of teammates, if you will, back to my basketball days, everything kind of related, uh, that helped me make the right decisions about people, about banks, about investors, about franchisors, and all those things have really uh, been instrumental in what has now become, we are now a hotel company of 125 hotels under operation, and um, believe it or not, we have 25 hotels under construction. Ooh, scary. Scary. <laughs> That is insane. So you've always been developers, right? I mean, for the most part, development is what you guys have been doing, not big acquisitions guys. Right. No, we've never acquired more than a two-pack of hotels. Uh, but we have been an acquirer, especially in cyclical downturns. I, I have been and have learned because I've lived through some cycles, as anyone has had, uh, if they've been in this business for over three decades. So I saw the downturns. I saw by kind of the pragmatic side, learn by doing that if I did the right thing in a downturn, maybe it would be better in an upturn if you could believe in cycles as I certainly have. So uh, somewhat of a contrarian point of view, I learned early on because one of the first recessions that I experienced, many people I think that watch this podcast will not, have, will not be able to relate, but in 1991 there was a deep downturn. And it almost took me and my little company out because we were highly leveraged. Uh, because you could you could borrow a lot of money back in those days. And believe it or not, you could borrow 100% of the cost of development. Uh, but when things went backwards, you could also lose what you did. Uh, so it became a little more conservative. Everything again. Yeah, wait, what, what were the interest rates? Right. I gotta ask. What were the interest rates in 1991? I can't tell you that year, but I remember well having. A little bit before that, living in an environment where prime interest got to over 21%. And if you can imagine, and I was building homes back then, and the interest rates on my spec homes were just gobbling me up. And I just, sure. Oof. So at least these days, all the listeners and won't, hopefully won't have to live what uh, I lived through and many of my contemporaries that high, high interest rate market. All right, so uh, let me let me go back because I interrupted you. Your pet, your train of thought. So uh, after the 1991, you got conservative. You learned, so you got conservative. So that how did that help you to the next downturn? Sure. Well, well, again, think back. Uh, being a science guy is uh, out of college also helped because, uh, and then again, I wasn't an amazing student, was it? But an okay student, and, and the discipline of doing things kind of scientifically, I learned to quantify, I learned to count, I learned to really, therefore, transfer that, that, call it, that quantitative side of my education to what became business. So I was um, very, very focused early on as what is a P&L, and I learned to understand it, and that background was important. So having levered to a high degree in the early 90s again because you could you could borrow especially a guy who had no money why not borrow 90 or 100 percent if I could uh, then came the bad downturn and at that time we had 13 hotels I'll never forget it. Uh, we would have lost many of them due to bankruptcy but fortunately I kind of felt it coming and I was able to sell uh, most of our hotels not at what I had aspired to work with some good brokers back then of course uh, but sold them 
and really was all about living for another day. Back then, we used to say, uh, uh, oh, there was a phrase, something way to 95, there's another day to 95, thinking it would take four years. Stay alive. Yeah, stay alive to 95, you're right. Uh, so I was able to, and as we continued to grow, we were much more careful in how we would uh, capitalize our deals. Many of the, our early investors still stayed with us because we didn't, we got out of things. We never turned the keys back to our lenders and entrusted uh, me and our team to do it again. We just raised more money and we did it again. So we went from high leverage to 65% of cost or 65% of appraisal. Probably slowed down the velocity of what we did, but also we were able to attract more and more people because frankly, not everybody was a razzle-dazzle as I was in the early days, try to get everything done for as little money out of your own pocket as you could. So an important learning uh, that has stuck with me and incredibly important as I sit here in front of you today because now we're sitting with hundreds of millions of dollars of debt, uh, industry that nobody, I mean nobody that has a hotel bank law is able to service it. Maybe there are some some exceptions, but uh, I can tell you our company has been servicing debt with lots of cash calls, or of course we have deferrals, and, uh, which has been incredibly important. But if I were sitting here with uh, even 80% leverage to cost, uh, it would be excruciatingly difficult. Uh, so I believe, um, I'm jumping ahead, but we'll get through this thing, and those who have capitalized properly will have probably some more success than those who did not. Um, those folks that have first mortgage debt, uh, mezzanine debt, maybe preferred equity, all of these kinds of bands of layers of uh, leverage, it, this is this is already a nightmare for all of us, but it, I'm sure it would be a larger nightmare for them. Uh, so again, back to where those roots I just kept doing one at a time. And so we got back to 13 hotels, got to 20 hotels. Uh, I became one of the very first courtyard franchisees, one of the first four, for the few guys that are still in this business with me. Um, uh, so got to build best brands in the early 90s, which really helped uh, pump up our growth. Uh, more investors were interested because I could bring Courtyard by Marriott to the table and residents into the table as well as other great brands. So for sure, and I think the science part is into this, uh, I've been a, a pretty avid industry observer and watch it closely, watch what works, what doesn't work as well. And I think through a very, um, call it studious, call it thoughtful, call it lucky in many cases, but watch what works and um, and really try to, uh, as much as I could, work on what I saw worked and stay away from that which did not work so well. And that's why I say anybody can do what I have done. You just have to be, you know, work hard at it, be honest, be forthright with all your investors and your teammates, get lenders and franchisors and investors all to come to your side because you're willing and you're committed to doing the right thing. And I, as many others uh, before me and like me, have built some pretty successful companies that they could be very proud of. 
So tell me uh, sort of how this compares the great to the last downturn, but in the Great Recession, dare I ask, how many hotels did you have to hand back in those years? Uh, we, hand, uh, we handed back none, yeah. although we worried an awful lot. Uh, and in, in fact, uh, back to the word luck, which has been important to me in my career, uh, just before that downturn, uh, we sold a, our largest portfolio of hotels, 20-some hotels, just going into that. Perfectly lucky, uh, I'd like to say, very well-timed, but amazing luck. So we uh, went into that great recession with, uh, uh, with some ammunition, and we then became contrarians. We bought hotels, we built hotels because we saw that we could buy dirt for less, we, we could negotiate better deals with contractors, believing uh, that when the cycle came back, those with the freshest product uh, would win, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, that's that kind of thinking's gone with with me and through me and my soul right up to this worst of ever recessions that uh, that we're in. So so take that thinking to today. Does that mean we're head down, or we're going to develop as many hotels as we can? Uh, well, with 25 hotels yeah, under construction. I'm one amazingly pregnant male. <laughs> Got all these hotels. They're not all ours, I should say. Our company also third-party manages development for investors as well as pre-opening technical services, so much of that. But 14 of them are hotels that we have, and I have invested with directly that we uh, are the GPs at. So would I have taken any of those back? Could I now? And I think, to be totally honest, I would have liked to tap the brakes on a, a few of them because I think they're going to open early into this recovery and I'd rather uh, open when it's closer to fully recovered. But do I believe we're going to go through recovery? Absolutely, yes. Do I believe that some will do better than others in recovery? For sure, because there's more and more functional obsolescence in our business. Those 30-year-old hotels that are roadside hotels that weren't even doing that great pre-COVID probably will be um, will really be stressed to do where they were all coming out of it. But will there be a flight to new cool AC hotels, independent hotels, curio hotels, the kind of hotels we're building that are lifestyle? Uh, and even another kind of hotel that I'll tell you about, uh, uh, I think, yes, it's always street corner by street corner business that we're in. I think um, those who choose the best street corners and have the best box upon that, be it you know, upscale, upper upscale, or, or economy, uh, generally can do better than, than others, especially if they have the human capital of the team to run best-in-class hotels, which um, I'm convinced we can do that. So uh, you've proven you can do that. So has it, so how's your mindset going to change on what you're developing going forward? Um, are you still going to do uh, high barrier entry or city center uh, really well done and amenitized, or are you going to change that? Uh, with one exception called Woodspring, I'll tell you tell you about that. Oh. Uh, we'll do much the same. The fit and finish and the amenities within those hotels 
certainly will change and I hope changes because operationally, uh, environmentally, there's a lot of things that COVID has caused us to pause and to think how we could deliver better going forward. And I think uh, folks like the people at Concord, as well as the franchise ORs, this is a great opportunity to think how we can change things together, yet really be aligned together because, of course, the brands will not be successful unless companies like ours continue to develop. So we, we better be thinking, and of course, all the thoughts that we read about it every day, uh, hopefully will be um, become more clear and become part of the ever-changing operational landscape as we get out of and through COVID. Sure. So tell me how this is the conversation with an invest your investors, right? I mean, obviously everybody understands that things aren't going well in the hotel industry. So I get that that's easy. But on one hand, mm -hmm. you're probably talking capital calls. And on the other hand, you're talking new development investment, candidly often to the same guy or girl. How are those conversations? Uh, it would be less than true if I said, mixed some folks you know it's cash calls are no fun <laughs> they're no fun at all and uh i've been a um, i get to write my own checks for sure as i've been doing weekly uh, so now's the time that we have to support our legacy assets and everything pre-covid i call legacy assets and however if they can be interspersed with uh latest and greatest new hotels or we're very avid as a purchaser of hotels today because we know unfortunately that there will be and there already are, uh, are um, some hotels that have are failing uh, it's part of our goal to buy those hotels that have uh, been so distressed and we we're working with several institutional investors to co-invest with us and we've already circled a few hundred million dollars to do that. Sourcing them, I think, may be challenging. We've started to find some already, but that's going to be where we pivot. We're pivoting at least in the near term towards being a net procurer, buyer of existing assets, then can't, cannot wait for the next shovel on the ground, because we've got a lot of shovels in the ground right now. So we're definitely pivoting to be a net net purchaser at a basis that's probably significantly below replacement. Which We've done that in the past too, coming out of sight, which something we're used to doing. And investors like that because they understand, we all read the same newspapers, uh, that this is the time to do it. Probably the best time I have seen in the worst recession, but the most and best opportunity time to invest in assets that unfortunately have been pummeled in terms of uh, distress and now uh, value. But will that value come back? I am a huge believer that it will. So uh, how concerned are you the 25 that you have under construction right now in the pipeline? And I get it, it's a, it's a battleship and you can't move it. Um, I'm assuming that the lenders are still on board, the investors are still on board, there's everything still moving straight ahead. But what do you, how concerned yeah, we had a, yeah, we had a couple assets that were just going into the ground uh, as COVID hit without even closing on our construction loans because 
we've been able to do, do that for a long time. Uh, and strangely enough, those two construction lenders said, we're no longer there. So I am sitting today with two hotels that are vertical that we have stopped. Good news, it was all cash, so there's no debt on them. And we and uh, surprisingly, we've actually gotten term sheets from new lenders on the one hotel, still looking for a better lender than on the other, which is big full service, big box hotel. Yeah, yeah. first one is a uh, is an extended stay hotel where we've actually sourced new debt already. The others, lenders are with us, investors are with us. Uh, we hope they will be opening into the new world, post-COVID world. Some will not since they're opening this fall. We opened a hotel at Atlanta Perimeter last week. Actually sold 60 rooms the second night. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a tough road for the next few months. So talk about that one, just the Perimeter one. I, that's a high place, right? And it's right next to State Farm, yeah. brand new shiny yeah. office buildings where they spent a billion plus yeah. dollars. Are you concerned that those office built towers are going to be empty or that no, no, they're going to come back and we'll be fine? Boy, that's, that's uh, a conversation we could spend a lot of time on. I happen to think that people will be going back to offices. I'm seeing it uh, already creeping back here in Raleigh, which is a very office, uh, dense office environment, creeping back, however I would say. I think people, frankly, can't wait to get back in there front of each other to interact. I think for the most part, bosses and team leaders feel as I do that it's hard to really drive a successful culture when you are a remote culture. Now, will some of it stick? For sure. But we're still a growing country and will uh, people go out and make calls, sales calls and train? If they don't, they fail. Um, now, the question is, how long does it take? There's a lot of views on that one. I happen to think that I tend to agree with a lot of those who forecast or prognosticate that it will be maybe 20, late 22, 23 before it starts looking like 19. And earlier for drive-to destinations, later for big box convention type of hotels that just take a long time to fill that pipeline. So let's we'll see down on the specifics of what we're building slash buying slash not a whole fighting hard in our own portfolio. Everything from, I keep picking on your West Ends, you're building West Ends and you're building Wood Springs and everything in between. So right now in the short term, where's your focus? Oh, let's go collect all the West Ends we can because they'll be, maybe they'll be cheap or no, no, no we should move to Wood Springs because that's the only thing cash flowing right now. Well, first, let me correct you. We're not building everything in between. Woodspring, we, we see as a uh, more of an more apartment-like than hotel-like. Uh, Choice is going to love me for saying this, but that, that brand did extremely well through COVID because the extended stay portion, the, the apartment-like hotel that it represents, uh, just as multifamily did across America, has performed extremely well. So that it's kind of a new model for us, for sure. And we see it as a, a way to hedge some of what, and it's, it's inex, very inexpensive to deliver. Uh, our development guys can build them uh, after the first three, which are under construction with their eyes blindfolded. It's so much easier than doing a Western hotel. Uh, 
but for the most part, we've been a, a developer, purchaser, operator of upper uh, tiered hotels, but not five star. Few four, but mostly three and a half to four. And still like that because people that do business want to stay in those kind of hotels. And we have been a uh, operator, a builder, a developer, a redeveloper of hotels that stress business. Now, will that come back slow? Pick your article. <laughs> but the leisure side of it has been important to us, and our, our hotel company is back up into the upper 40s occupancy after being miserably low in, in late April. I'm just curious, is it the same investor that's in a Woodspring that's in a Weston, or is it and or your three and four stars, or is it a totally different investor? It's, uh, it's a different investor, but the same type of investor. Okay. By that I mean, um, and this may be surprising, I, I think it also underwrites this kind of hotel, and uh, it is an institutional investor that is co-investing on an A, what we call a programmatic approach to building uh, our first 27 wood springs and could do even more. So they've seen the numbers, I've seen the numbers, we've, we've all uh, embraced those as well as how it fits in its space. I think that was my answer. All right, so Mark, talk to me about the human side of this. So you're, I mean, you're, you're a very large, very successful management company as well as developer. So I'm going to switch to the management company side. So you've had to operate hotels. You can tell me which ones are doing great, which ones are struggling. Uh, but there's a human capital side to this that I'm sure is weighing difficult on you as a leader. Talk to me about that. Um, it's the part that I'd like the least in terms of what we're all living through right now. Sorry for so here's the picture. In um, early March, our company, through its management services and development services, uh, employed just under 6,000 people. By May 1st, that 6,000 became 1,079. A horrendous, worst ever experience in my lifetime as a business guy and a hotel guy, uh, and it was extremely hurtful. There was just no reason to have these folks working in our hotels because we were doing no business. Now, I, I will say the good news is, um, fast forward to last week, we had hired back uh, approximately 1,700 additional ones. Still much different company in terms of human capital than we were seven months ago, but it is coming back. And every month uh, we will hire back more people. But excruciatingly difficult, saddened. Uh, it's, and those who still work with us at the property level, as you know, I think everybody that listens to this in this business knows, have to work harder than they ever did before uh, for less, frankly, because it's, it's just uh, very, very difficult environment. But as I, uh, I'd like to coach and mentor and beat the drum, we shall get through this. And we are, sure enough, we're getting stepwise through it. And I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, although I, I do, again, um, believe that tunnel light before I jump through that end may be well into next year. So what so the, the debate is, is all about how do you get there? How do we who own hotels, 
how do we sustain those? Or in some cases, and I know that there, this is why we'll be a net buyer, that we know uh, companies, be it institutional or private, are saying, I've had enough. I'm throwing in my keys, throw my keys, and I don't want to go through this anymore. Um, others like us will, will try to strategize with their investors, with their lenders, with their franchisors, with their vendors. How can we together get through this thorniest patch that we have ever seen? And knowing that it will get better and we will take care of business in the way we did 2019. But it's going to be a long time before that hotel might be worth what it was. Yeah. Only a few months back. Yeah, we're trying to answer but, the question a lot today. But listen, I, again, I'm, I'm sure you're doing, you're too, probably doing BOVs by the truck full. Uh, it, it is no, I think our, our investors in particular that I call, that my CFO calls and we present our burn schedule that we have called, we are actually showing how much cash we're burning. Uh, so it's very clear at the bottom of the page with all the numbers above it. And as best we can, we form forecast what will be our needs, make sure our lenders get paid and everybody else gets paid. And here's the number we've circled. And the investor, will you pay your share? Overwhelmingly, they have said yes. But as you can imagine, some have said, no thanks, I'm out. It's human nature. So that means I get to step up <laughs> with others and fill the gap, which is painful. But I, again, uh, that's part of our company culture. That's why lenders lend to us in bad times as well as good times, because we haven't said, you're are the proverbial keys. So, so I, I, my question is, how much longer can you do it? But where I'm really at, it's one thing when Wall Street and you know the re publicly traded REITs and like, and they go draw down on hundreds of millions of dollars of lines of credit, and you know have a 24 month burn. It's another thing for human beings, your investors, dare I say, you, Mark Laporte, to reach into his pocket to hold this hotel. And again, how long can you do that for? Uh, that's a good question. So through all these iterations and uh, of forecasts, and it's, of course, very hard to forecast when no one has clarity. I mean, we this budgeting for 2021 is a, uh, a guessing game, for sure. But I, I think everybody knows much more clearly, i use that word again, uh, than they did even uh, six weeks ago when a vaccine might be delivered. And for sure, um, a vaccine that is widely distributed throughout our country and then, of course, globally, is what is the fix for our industry. We must make this industry so people feel safe to travel again. We now see that multiple companies are, are in stage three of, uh, of their tests. And as early as, you can say October, and others say first quarter next year, but we will see vaccine. So saying all that, I think we believe that vaccine will be widely disseminated by mid next year, and that in the USA at least, we'll be on the mat. Maybe other countries will not so much, but Europe probably will be. And that will open the doors slowly to a real comeback. So 
we believe by mid next year, most of our hotels will be back in the black and after all that service of all. Uh, but until then, and we have a few that are back in the black right now that have a big leisure or extended stay component, but very few. Uh, we just have to plan, and our plan is how to get to almost this time next year before we see see the light and and are covering off. And we can do that because we're not highly leveraged, and because we went into this uh, with good escrows, self-funded escrows to be safe. Recall I said I learned from those bad old days where we highly leveraged and I convinced investors that we should be sitting on cash for a rainy day. Little did I know the rain would come in torrents. It, it's fascinating. It's all psychological, right? The new, the new mindset. We're happy to just break even. Sure. <laughs> and um, wait for that day. And we're, we're uh, planning, although I mentioned that I believe by mid-next year we'll be at the cusp of uh, break-even after all. Many hotels better, some worse. So we're really pushing it farther out and saying, hey, let's plan to the end of 2021. How much cash do we need? Because yep. in case I'm wrong and the vaccine comes out slower. So that has been what we have uh, been communicating. We're providing a not a 12 month, but about an 18 month view of how we see this going. We're hearing that a lot. That's really smart. That, that's you have to plan for that. That's how you're going to get through it. Uh, so Mark, this has been great. I'm going to give you a chance. You're you're a great leader. So leave me with some positive energy, some motivational words of wisdom that we can take solace in? Uh, you know, no secret sauce comes from this guy, but I, I can tell you, having been around the block and having lived through, uh, as, a, as a business guy, through three recessions, that, that gives me a strong and long rearview mirror look. And I know through each one of those, my company, came out stronger than the last one. Uh, and I think by preparation, by commitment, by extraordinarily hard work, because it is hard work, that uh, that will be the case this time. And without those that kind of conviction, without that kind of pers perseverance though, uh, you're probably at risk. With it, uh, and those maybe fewer that stand tall getting through this, uh, it will be better than ever and a great time for people that are just getting in the business because they haven't, they don't have those legacy assets that I have, that I one had. So what an amazing buying opportunity. If you can just buy one hotel, call your friendly broker Teague and say, I'm looking for a hotel in suburban Atlanta that I can buy at a bargain and there probably will be. That's the good news and the bad news. Uh, there probably will be more than one of them. I have words to live by. I'll, I'll follow it. Uh, Mark, you're a good friend. Thank you for coming on and doing this with me. Um, I challenge you to a game of horse the next time I see you. Maybe we'll do it at the rooftop of the bed in West Palm. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Get to practice it. Okay. Thanks so much for having me part of this. I really enjoyed it. To see you soon, too. I hope but, to see you. I know. Yeah, really. When get out and travel. Get, your, get that uh, hunter conference cranked up. We just, I will be there. We are having it. Come hell or high water, we're having it. It's going to be great. Nice we'll be the first one's out.
Bye. Before we go. Thanks, Mark. See ya.